Welcome again to another Hammetless version of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. This is your substitute host, Bill Berg, along with Bill Berg Jr. just down the road, Michael Trusinski in Wisconsin Rapids, and Del Scanlon in Reedsburg, I think. Um, yeah, um, nice job. Let's just jump right into it here. Uh, Trasher had our boys game of the week, which was Arrowhead at Fond du Lac, the Jeff Merrill Remembrance game. And Trasher, how did that one go? Hey, Burglar. Thanks. It was a good game. Uh, Arrowhead ended up winning 3-2 to two before the game. The parents of Jeff Merrill, Larry and Carol Merrill, I don't think she's any relation to the old... Uh, the uh, spokes model on the Price is Right, and their son, Bob. Um, Larry and Bob dropped ceremonial first pucks before the game. It was uh, a, a nice moment for them, and they had said that it was the first time since the accident that happened where her son died 30 years ago that Carol had stepped into a hockey rink. So I'm sure she had some mixed emotions for the for being there, but it was a nice, nice moment. There were 17 uh, players and coaches from the 88, 89 team, so it was uh, it was pretty cool, and it, it was a nice moment. Um, there was a, a pretty good uh, crowd on the Fond du Lac side, and uh, they they had a couple of games that they did. Uh, they did a, a hungry, hungry hippo game on ice, which was quite entertaining. That raised some money for, I believe, food pantries, and uh, they had the the usual chuck a puck and stuff. So it, it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was, I'm sure, it was uh, kind of heartwarming for the parents and uh, you know mixed emotions, like I said. But um, the game game was a good game. It was close pretty much all the way through. Ethan Hill scored two minutes into the game to give Arrowhead the lead. Near the end of the first period, Brody Dietert for Fond du Lac tied it at 1-1. One one. Tanner Schutt scored in the middle of the second period to give Arrowhead a 2-1 lead and then stayed that way for most of the third period. Uh, about four minutes left, Zach Wolverton scored on a power play to give Arrowhead a 3-1 lead, and it looked like they were kind of in control, but just wait a minute, here comes Fondy. They pulled the goalie at 2:22, and then they they didn't do anything for a little bit, and then they called a timeout at 1:11. Eight seconds later, they scored a goal. Logan Graff scored on a shot from the point to make it three to two, and that's how it would end up. Even though they played probably on and off a couple of times, they they put the goalie in, pulled him back out. Uh, they were unable to score, and Arrowhead scored a 3-2 victory in the JM21 game. Shots were 31 for Arrowhead, 20 for Fond du Lac. Uh, pretty even match, um, and uh, it was uh, very worthwhile. You know, I'm sure there will be a lot, of, a lot of memories for everybody, you know, kind of mixed memories, but uh, a good game, and uh, I think everybody had... Uh, a really good time, so it was uh, was all right. Well, thank you for that wrap up there, Trash. Our girls game of the week 
featured the Central Wisconsin Storm and the Metro Lynx. Uh, Dell was at that game. Dell, how would that game go? Thanks, Burglar. Uh, this was the Noah Sanger Leukemia Lymphoma Awareness Game. And as we spoke last week, Trasher brought up about how Ava Jambler of the Lynx basically coordinated this whole event and put it all together. And pregame, you saw Noah and his younger brother out doing warm-ups with the Lynx. And then just before they were to do the introductions, Noah and his little brother were on the ice, and Noah actually skated down to the end, to the goal line where the Storm were all lined up and fist bumped all of them and then went back down and fist bumped one of the referees on his way down, back down to the Lynx area and then uh, fist bumped all the Lynx players also. And then they did the introductions and the game got underway. And it didn't take long before the Storms, Audrey Laidwig scored the first goal and the thing about this goal was she was actually trying a centering pass uh, from behind the net, you know, putting it up at the top of the crease, and it hit off the stick of one of the defenders for the links right back towards the opposite post that the goalie had sealed off, and they both reached for it, and either one could grab it before it slid into the net to give the Storm a one to nothing lead. Uh, then that's the score remained that way till there's 21 seconds left in the game, and Storm put another goal in to go up two, two to nothing at the end of the first period. Second period was pretty much a repeat of the first period, as the Storm scored two goals in that period to increase the lead to four to nothing, and then one goal in the third to come out of there with a five to nothing win. And the one thing that you noticed in this game is, you know, Coach Susan's and Coach uh, McKin- McCursey, I, I believe, is uh, the head coach for um, the Lynx. Both during the entire game is what I like seeing from a coach and everything is how they coached from the bench and were very positive uh, with the players out there, you know, just making sure they're getting in position, hustling back, you know, you know, and applying the offensive pressure, making sure their defenders got back. But, you know, we're very positive from the bench to all their players. And once, you know, like you say, you know, the Storm did very good job at uh, moving the puck and using their speed to create shots and came out of there with a 5 to nothing win. And with that, I'm going to toss it back to you, Burglar. All right, thanks, Del. Thanks for that wrap-up. Bill and I made our second consecutive weekend trip up to Eagle River to catch what uh, we thought was going to be the championship game of the Pines Classic, but due to weather conditions on Friday, kind of messed up the games there. Instead, we just saw University School play Northland Pines, which is kind of what we were hoping for anyway. Uh, Bill, why don't you tell us about that game? Sure. Uh, Like you said, it was just one week after we were there last. And while the temperature difference on the thermometer was only 5 degrees, uh, 1 degree last week, minus 4 this week, it felt like a whole lot more. 
Um, that was the coldest hockey game I have attended in a long, long time. Well, you've been in Kansas. I know, but <laughs> that was it was cold. Uh, I think I came away with it a little better than you. You're old, um, but uh, yeah, and you know, Pines number six in the state, USM number one in the state coming into the game. Uh, you wouldn't know it uh, the way the game happened on the ice. Uh, for the first two minutes or so, USM actually pretty well controlled things. And for the next 35 minutes after that, it was mostly Northland Pines. Um, they did a great job of breaking up most of USM's breakout passes from the defensive zone. <clears throat> they did a great job of playing defense in front of their net. Probably only two or three decent rebound shots for USM the whole game. Um and Pines did a great job of generating scoring chances for themselves uh, from something other than odd man rushes, which is what we see a lot of the scoring coming out of when it comes to like late games in the sectional tournament and at the state tournament. And Pines used all those factors to roll to a 4 nothing win uh, over the, the number one team in the state. Um, it was a good game all around. I don't want to sound like Pines dominated it, but uh, USM was clearly back on their heels for most of the game, um, and it just made Pines look that much faster. They swarmed the same way they did against USM, and uh, several players on Northland Pines, uh, first and foremost, uh, Jack Rohde, um, are wizards at stick handling, and they generated probably seven or eight very, very good scoring chances from the corner of the offensive zone, which is something we don't see a lot of this day, these days. Um, dancing around two defenders and getting a shot open in front of the net. Um, two of the goals ended up being goals. Um, Lachlan Stiegmeier, uh, second liner for Pines, had two goals in the game. Um, Andrew Rothmeyer had their third goal on a, a beautiful play by, by Rody. Um he once again went around two guys, got the puck in front of the net. Frank Free kind of sprawled out to stop it, and uh, you've all seen a goalie sprawled out, legs wide, you know, face first on the ice. The puck was between his legs. Uh, the near side official looked like he was in the process of blowing it dead, but the official behind the net could see that the puck was uncovered uh, between Fee's legs and the net, and Rothmeyer stepped in and just kind of poked it into the net. Uh, there was some discussion about that one, but. Um, after the officials explained it, there was no there was no complaining from the USM bench. They just they just moved on, and the uh, the fourth goal uh, came actually during a, a major power play for USM. Um, Pines got caught with an open ice checking from behind for a five and ten. Uh, they iced the puck. Jack Rohde went down and got it and put it in the open net. Uh, USM had pulled the goalie with four minutes left to take advantage of the the, the major penalty. Uh, to give themselves a six on four, but it backfired and made it a, a four nothing win for Pines. Hey Webb, um, now we we know that uh, the dome has some quirky advantages that uh, maybe our, our home court home ice advantages. Um, in particular, I believe that the neutral zone is significantly smaller than a normal neutral zone. How do you think that came into play with? The speed of USM did they you know did they have problems with that I think they did when it came to their breakouts and their transition from the defensive zone to the offensive zone that short neutral zone just shortened everything up for them and pine speed was able to 
to really take away a lot of their good breakout chances. Uh, so I think the the neutral zone did help in that respect. And there was one Pines got one scoring chance off of a you know a classic dome bounce. Uh, Fee went behind the net to corral a puck that was careening around the boards. It went up and over his stick uh, to a, a Pines uh, forward in the opposite corner. Uh, Fee managed to get back out in front and stop the shot before Pines could put it in the net, but there was one classic Pines bounce. Um, and uh, I guess maybe to return the favor, um, Pines goalie Brett Wilkins sort of did the same thing on the next shift, except that his wasn't a Pines bounce. He just made a terrible pass when going behind the net to collect the puck. Uh, just given USM a freebie, but he managed to get back in front before they could put it in. I believe that shot was actually blocked by the Pines defense because they had, they had two or three guys in front of their net all night. Yeah, I, I know. I think it's the north end of the rink by the lobby. That is correct, right? North end, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That always seemed to when uh, Emily played up there. We, there were some interesting bounces that would happen off the the glass and wood and whatever is behind there, and you just never knew what to expect. Yeah, you know, it's not pine pine scoring opportunity actually happened on the other side of the ice, but. Um, Wilkins' errant pass did happen on that north end, um, and yeah, I was I was I was I was impressed with Pines last week in their win over Wapaka, but that game was so lopsided you really can't see what's what's what. Uh, but their game against University School uh, really opened my eyes to how good a team they actually are, which can be hard to tell. Pines, you know, in the Great Northern Conference, the conference is not having a great season, um, so their games against those opponents haven't really helped them any when it comes to rankings or evaluation. Um, but this one showed how good they really are. Um, I talked about him last week. Again, Jack Rohde is a wizard with the puck. Um, it's like it's like he's got stickum on the, on the blade of his stick. Um, the things he can do with the puck while maneuvering around multiple defenders is absurd. Um, second liner, um, let me check his name here. Harmon Marion, number 24, is actually an excellent stick handler in his own right. Uh, he did he had s- some great moves around USM defenders, generating scoring opportunities for Pines in that game as well. Um, those two really stand out as guys who can turn what should be nothing into an odd man rush because they get around somebody that they have no business getting around. This may be a little bit... Uh beyond your your knowledge uh database here but so maybe uh jack Rody is the freddie belitnikoff of high school hockey with the the stickum burglar probably gets that one that's a bit of a reach but a little bit but he said <laughs> stickum freddie belitnikoff yeah 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 okay but i i think Think of the cornerback Lester Hayes, the the, the stick them dripping off of him. <laughs> so, I mean, I saw Pines play one other time. They played against Spash, and they they beat Spash. I think it was three to two or whatever the score was. But they impressed me there. And University School has been tough all year. So this is you know probably arguably the top you know maybe two, three, four teams in the state in that game. 
Uh, so you guys got a chance to see a really good one. Uh, now, and, uh, now to, to university school's credit, they did play the day before and Pines did not. Um, you know, they, they played, you know, 7 o'clock the night before and then came back and played at noon the next day. That will that will take a little spring out of your step. I mean, they're teenagers. It shouldn't be too bad, but that will that is something that, that can affect them. And they did look like they were on their heels most of the night. So I don't know if we saw USM at their best, but um, Pines was still pretty good. And we'll see more of Pines uh, on the 7th, February 7th. They'll take on Superior um, in another probably top five uh, matchup. Uh, heading into the, uh, I think it's their second to last game before uh, the regional start. Yeah, I yeah, don't not, think we've heard the end of these two teams. Yeah, yeah not not that the the game needed any qualifiers, but you know, I've always maintained that that dome, that ice sheet, is a two goal advantage, two goal home ice advantage for Pines, and then you throw in, you know, that. University school played the night before. You know, did that factor in? I don't know. I'm not going to say it did. Pines just looked faster and looked more comfortable, and they they really took it to university school. We on our way up there, we were checking Google Maps and driving around. We were looking for a, an Italian restaurant that Bob and I had eaten at before covering one of the Pines classics, and one of the um, local. Uh, Gentleman up there who was doing the doing their their Facebook live uh, coverage of the game. Um, I didn't catch his name. I I think it was Grizzly Adams, um, but he he told us that 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 place had closed down and recommended a an Italian or not Italian a Mexican restaurant that is just about directly across from the from the rink, and that that turned out. Uh, to be a very good recommendation, we went there and, and, and had a nice uh, late lunch, early dinner after the game warmed up a little bit and then headed back south. So he also said he listens to this podcast. So thank you uh, for that recommendation. It, it turned out well, and, and we were happy with our trip. And I think by about 8 o'clock Saturday, I finally started to warm up. That's not bad because on the other end of the spectrum at the Fond du Lac game, I think it was 50 degrees in the rink, or so it seemed. I was sweating. So just the opposite. All righty. Moving along. Oh, it says me to do players of the week. Uh, Del, you with us? We're going to spring the players of the week on you. Yes, Del. I am. We'll spring the players of the week on you. Okay, this week, our Players of the Week, our Girls Player of the Week is from Hayward, Emma Quimby. She had 27 saves and allowed two goals and a 2-2 tie with number six, Hudson, and then had 28 saves in a one to nothing shutout over number 10 in Minnesota, Duluth Marshall. They're ranked number 10 in their Class 1A. So for a total of 55 saves, two goals allowed with one shutout for a 965 save percentage. And our girls player of the week is Emma Quimby. On the boys' side, he had two goals, one assist, and a 7 to nothing win over Medford. Two goals and a 4 to nothing win over number one USM 
for a total of four goals and one assist. And he's a senior from Northland Pines, Lachlan Siegmeyer. And Lachlan is our boys player of the week. And with that, we're going to toss it on back over to Burglar. Thanks, Dell. Hate to spring that on you like that, but they've heard enough of me already. Um, moving on, top ten. Let's see. When number six beats number one in the head-to-head matchup, four to nothing. I'm going to guess that's going to shake up the top ten a little bit. How did how did that turn out there, Bill? It did shake up the top ten, and it shook up the top ten on a lot of ballots. Uh, Northland Pines moved up from sixth all the way to first, uh, which is the biggest jump to first in recent memory. Um, I guess people were waiting for you know another top ten game for Pines. They had one they had a one goal loss to West. They had beaten Spash, and now they beat uh, number one USM, and that jumps them all the way up from sixth to first. USM drops to second. Wasa West moves up to third. Superior drops to fourth. Verona drops three spots from second to fifth. Spash moves up to sixth. Sun Prairie drops to seventh. Onalaska drops to eighth. Nina Hortonville Menasha is still ninth, and Eau Claire Memorial or Eau Claire North, sorry, moves into the tenth spot. Honorable mention for the boys are Eau Claire Memorial, Hudson, Notre Dame Academy, and Waukesha. Uh, for the girls, the Warbird Beaverdam Co-op moves up to number one from number three. Fox City Stars drop to number two. Central Wisconsin Storm moves up to number three. The Eau Claire Area Stars drop down to fourth. The Western Wisconsin Stars hold steady at fifth. St. Croix Valley Fusion and Hudson swap places. They are now sixth and seventh. USM is eighth. Bay Area moves up one spot to ninth. Rock County drops one spot to tenth. And honorable mention for the girls are Cap City, Hayward, and Onalaska. That is a lot of movement for this late in the season. Usually things have settled in by this time of year, but uh, not so much this year. My guess is if if USM had beaten Pines, the boys' top ten would have barely shifted. Uh, Spash beating Verona would have caused some moves, but Pines over USM 4 nothing probably the biggest mover. Obviously moved them up sixth. Um, Verona... Um, take out the two games against Sun Prairie and they're 0-3-2 against other top 10 teams so that second place ranking they had last week was going to be hard for them to hold um, they've got to they've got to win some of those games against top 10 teams obviously they're 2-0 against Sun Prairie but two losses to West a loss to Spash a tie with I believe Notre Dame and a tie with I believe Waukesha I could be making that second one up but it was a tie with somebody else in the top 10 um so that dropped them down from, from second to fifth. Uh, that, those seem fair. Uh, I don't think there's anything too outlandish out there. I find, you know, it's maybe to the people that aren't voting or on the periphery here, maybe fans of schools, see a team jump from six to one and then wonder why uh, number eight beats number two and number two was still ahead of number eight in the case of Verona and Spash. But, I mean, you know, it, even I think like the, the guys in the BCS or whatever, I mean, that, well, that's all computerized and stuff, but even that is kind of 
weird and funky at times, and well, you, you see a lot of weird stuff. Well, it's and let's, it's not even weird because that's one game, and most of these teams have played eighteen games at this point, eighteen nineteen games. That's one game out of the whole schedule, and if you look at it, you're like, well, Wasa West beat Pines, so Pines should be, or West should be ahead of Pines. Well, West also lost to USM, who lost to Pines. I mean, those three teams have a game of rock, paper, scissors going between the three of them. You cannot use head-to-head to determine who should be ranked where. You have to look at the whole package. Yeah, and I think, like Bill mentioned when he kicked it off, um, you know how, it, how a team can jump from number six to number one. I think the only thing that was really holding Pines back and making people question them was their schedule. You know, they hadn't, you know, their their, their conference was weak this year. Uh, they hadn't played, you know, that many other top ten teams, you know, so here they had a chance, you know, to show what they have, and, you know, they, they rose to the occasion. And I think that just kind of erased a lot of doubts in the minds of some of those other coaches at voting that, yeah, I guess Pines is for real. Yeah, I... I would agree with you there. I, I think so too. Uh, one thing that seems kind of weird, though, and you know, maybe it's got to do with the scheduling and who plays who or whatever. But it seems like last week there were hardly any moves on either of the polls, and then this week it's like almost every team in the top ten moved. So, you know, just the the vagaries of it all. It just you never know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, if you just look at it on the numbers on the boys' side, six beat one and eight beat two, with Pines over USM and Spash over Verona. I mean, that's. I mean, it's it's never you never get penalized for losing to a team who's ranked higher than you, but when you lose to a team that's ranked lower than you, generally there's going to come with a penalty from the voters, and there were losses this week. The Fox City Stars had a loss. Um, so you know, on the girls set, so they dropped. It's just you know, there's when you're a high ranked team and you lose, voters tend to punish you. And I think too that, and you 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 guys know this because there's five of us, and we all have different thoughts about how teams move depending on how they do in games in the rankings. But I mean, everybody is different, you know. Whereas some people might say, oh, Pines should go up to number one. There might be some people that say, no, West should go up to number one because Pines shouldn't be able to jump over them. So, I mean, you have all these different voters with different thought processes. And, you know, it's something that I think the fans don't always get. You know, it's like, oh, my, you know, our team won and we should be here or here and they're not. And then they get all upset. Well, I mean, there's just, too many things going on, too many voters with too many different voting techniques, let's call them, and you, you just never know. Yeah, I don't have well, any any I don't have any rules like that when I'm submitting my votes. I don't have a rule that if this team beat this other team, that other team can't jump past them. I don't do any of that. I put the teams in the order I think they should be in. Um, looking at the the schedule that they have that they've played. Um, I might use the you know the previous top ten as a template, just so I don't have to review six weeks of hockey for fifteen different teams to determine who should be where. But um, you know, every voter, yeah, like you said, every voter is going to be different. Some are going to do that. Some are going to, you know, take the take last week's rankings and just you know bump people up and down you know one or two spots. 
because of how things went for the week. Um, I don't do that, um, but yeah, there's a lot of different people voting a lot of different ways, and uh, Pines showed up this week number one on a lot of ballots. Um, yep, and and if and if anybody's getting upset because their team isn't ranked where they think they should be in our top ten, then they've got some misplaced priorities. There. There are many other reasons to get upset with us besides just, you know, the, the, the top tens. But uh, I'm looking now at the, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the BCS, which hasn't been in existence for a long time, but you're old, so we'll forgive you for that. Um, but looking at the, you know, as Jeff Roshan, Jeff Roshan would tell us, probably the most accurate gauge, you know, in the state is his stack rankings, which, you know, prior to this weekend had, University School at number one and Northland Pines at number two and Wausau West at number three. Well, there was a straightforward, you know, number two beat number one. Swap them. And that's what happened. Yeah, I'm kind of, I mean, you know, Mitch Hawker's got the USHSHO and Jeff Rashan, who I didn't see Saturday, by the way. I was surprised. Um has stack and there are some variances between the two, you know, and I mean, that's the, I think kind of the fun thing about those two rankings, uh, the, my hockey ranking and the coaches poll, you know, there's all this variance and, you know, it makes for a, a lot of conversation and, you know, in some cases people get pissed off or whatever, but like I always tell Everybody, it, it doesn't really matter what the rankings say. It matters who wins the last game of the year. So, I mean, wait until March before you get too fired up about it. Alrighty, having beat that horse within an inch of its life, let's move on to this week's upcoming games of the week and as is somewhat customary this time of year, we don't know who's going to be playing who in our games of the week this year, this week, do we, Trasher? No. Can MJ do this part? I'm all talked out. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so next week's game of the week, we're looking at a couple of conference tournaments, and we're going to cover the conference championship games as our game of the week. On the girls' side, it'll be the Eastern Shores Conference Championship, which will be held Saturday at 6.30 p.m. at the Tri-County Arena, Dell, not the Tri-City Arena. For some reason, I keep calling it that. In Nina, uh, Dell Scannon will be there to cover that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, like we said, we don't know who's going to be in that. Um, you can get some upsets, and your favorite teams might not be in the championship game, so we don't know. It'll be the Eastern Shores Conference Championship for the girls' side. On the boys' side, it'll be the Badgerland Conference Championship, and that will be held uh, Saturday, and the time is to be determined. We haven't seen a schedule yet. I'm sure after the coaches hear this, they'll probably send out schedules to us at the Fond du Lac Blue Line Ice Center, and Burglar will be down there to cover that game on Saturday. So a couple of uh, conference championship games. Uh, the conference tournaments, guys, uh, 
positive, negative? What do you, what do you think about it? You like you guys like those, right? Well, we spent four years badgering every conference in the state until someone else added one. Because while Burglar is at the Badgerland Conference Championship on Saturday, I will be at the Great Northern Conference Championship in Anago on Saturday. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, it, it was it was an easy choice as to which one would be our our game of the week because uh, we thought that the number one and number two team in the the Great Northern Conference, you know, two weeks ago was going to be a great game of the week, and that turned out to be not. So we're not going to make that mistake again. So I'll go to the Fondulac. Yeah, so my, my goal is that, you know, within the next few years, every conference with at least six teams has a conference tournament to, to end the season. And then after that, I'll work on my true goal, which is the Cardinal Cup, uh, where Middleton, Pacelli, Chippewa Falls, there's five of them, um, Fond du Lac. Fond du Lac, and I don't remember the fifth one right now, all play you know, over the course of the season to determine who's the best Cardinal. Um, that's my real goal. That's my only reason for being a member of Wisconsin Prep Hockey is to implement the Cardinal Cup. All right. First come the conference championships and then Cardinal Cup. All right. Final thoughts. I'm going to guess that Trasher, we're going to hear from you again. Not like we're getting tired of hearing your voice yet, but speak some more. Well, you might be, but um, this will be the last time I talk about it this year, believe it or not. Well, and, are, are, are the nominations due this week? That is correct. Oh, okay. The Obi Baker Character Award. I'm going to go on record saying you're going to talk about it one more time because you're going to be disappointed with the turnout and you're going to admonish the coaches who didn't turn one in and you're going to think real long and hard about actually calling them out either by name or by school well, if they don't I, turn one in. I, I won't know that until state tournaments so, yeah. because we don't, we don't ever see the results until we open up the, the state tournament program and you see the uh, the winners in there. Uh, but I do know this is the 14th year of the award, and did I ever happen to mention that this is a, a, a great addition to a college resume? I don't think I ever mentioned that before, but it is. I mean, this is, you know, it's it's a cool award, and people, you know, they they look at that and they they respect that because uh, it's it's called the the Hobie Baker Character Award. So I think that tells a lot about a kid as he's moving from high school to college. So it's it's a cool thing. Uh, last year we had roughly seventy percent of the boys and girls teams nominated a winner, and we hope that it can be higher this year. We're shooting for eighty percent. Um, Jim Hayes of the, the, the Hobie Award, uh, uh, whatever it's called, the, the, the Hobie Award. Okay, so he had mentioned to me that we have the highest participation rate in the United States amongst all the states that, that do this. So uh, that's great, but, you know, we can do better. Um, every team should be able to name a kid 
for the Hobie Baker Award. Um, the second thing that I have is the Jeff Sauer Award, which this will be the second year. The deadline on that is January 31st, and that is recognizing good hockey players being great people. Last year, Shane Ryan, the goalie from Madison Edgewood, won the award, and uh, it's a pretty big deal, too. So you got just a couple days. Uh, coaches, make sure you get your, your players nominated for that. Um, parents, fans, players, if you know somebody that you think is deserving, make sure to hit up your coach because this is a great award, too. Jeff Sauer, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big deal. Um, UW coach, the current coach, Tony Granato, will present the award on the Wednesday before state tournament in Madison at the state tournament team banquet. And they'll also have the, check this out, Junior, the Player of the Year Award there. So, Gordy Howe, sorry, I didn't wreck your, didn't wreck your thing, buddy. So, that's about all I have for this evening. Sorry to be so long-winded. Uh, we just kind of free flow here, at least I do. That's just the way I am. I wonder if, if. If now that American Family Insurance has won the naming rights to uh, the Brewers Stadium, if Miller Brewing will sponsor the Player of the Year award. I think the WIAA would frown on that. They're, they don't get too happy about stuff like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that American Family does it again. We'll see. So uh, so that's about it for me, guys. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, if you guys are good, I'm good, and we can call it a night here and say goodbye and say good evening to our, our loyal listeners. And uh, Burglar, you get the official sign-off. Maybe he already signed off. Maybe he's talking to his mute button like a true professional. I was. I was. I was on mute. I was on mute. Sorry. Dell, you okay with you all done? Eyes all done. I hope everybody okay. has a good evening. <laughs> all right. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening and you're down in the Janesville area, tell him, and you see MJ, tell him you miss him on these podcasts. Uh, we miss his happy little hobbit voice, too. So until next week, maybe he'll be back, maybe he won't. Uh, Thank you for listening to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.